Welcome to episode 242 of Grid Talk. Today we're here to review the Mexican Grand Prix qualifying. My name is Ruby Price and joining me we have Louis Edwards. Hello. Jawad Yacoub from the Hit the Apex podcast. Hi guys. And Sophia Richmond from Everything F1. Hi. But first, if you enjoy this podcast, we'd love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, you'll automatically go into our monthly draw to win a a Grid Talk t-shirt from our champion range of merch. And if you're one of the 72% of people who aren't yet subscribed to the channel, please consider helping us out with a like and a subscribe. So it's a fiesta in Mexico for two-time world champion Max Verstappen, who becomes the 11th different pole sitter in as many races at the Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez, ahead of Mercedes, of George Russell and Lewis Hamilton. Louis, we suspected he had more time in the car ahead of Q3, but it wasn't really until the final part of qualifying that Max really moved ahead of his rivals, was it? No, it was, it was near fewer... Uh, a Mercedes fan, you definitely would have been hopeful that you would have been able to grab pole because, yeah, that, that Red Bull, especially in Q1, Q2, looked like it had such a lack of grip. It really came into its element once the track started to rubber in, the grip was there, and the Red Bull was able to, you know, manage its tyres a bit better because it really was. Like, Max was, especially in his first runs in Q1, absolutely all over the place. But um, I think he'll be very, he'll be happy that he's got pole. But we, as we know, pole position is not really the place you want to be starting here. It's such a long drag into into turn one that it honestly wouldn't surprise me that if one of the Mercedes behind him is going to be passed him by turn one because it's you're going to get such a good toe, or he prays he maybe gets a bit of a bad start and kind of just use the toe of the, the drivers that go past. Yeah, 800 metres down to the first corner. Statistically, pole has never really been where you want to be at this circuit. Um, In the last, I think it's four races, Sophia. Um, Please nod if I'm correct. Um, Pole hasn't won or even appeared on the podium. Um, But what has has won the last two races is P3. But uh, before that, we've got... um, P2, Jawad, and that is George Russell, who was beating himself up about being three-tenths off Max Verstappen. But his engineer seemed to think it was just a little bit too far out of reach. It was, and like the lap time before it was deleted was only good enough for P2, so that lap that Verstappen put in right at the end was amazing, and, you know, it's it's a testament to how uh, his form's been this season where he can just rock up in Q3 and plug the fastest lap in and that's goodbye to the rest of the competition. But, you know, I think Russell will probably be more envious of where his teammate is starting because the second row inevitably will be the better place to get that slipstream into turn one. Um, still a great effort though. You know, it's it's an opportunity for them with the level playing field at high altitude to possibly get that first win this season Russell has looked a bit more um you know like rattled in the last few races like by comparison to his teammate I know he breaks that streak of qualifying uh losses to Hamilton in recent times but again you know it's it's more important uh what happens on the first lap with a slipstream uh so yeah you know I guess you know good on him for being p2 but it might not be that way for him in the race. And unless he holds on to it, um, I can not see him staying there for long. 
Yeah, absolutely. And as Sophia's corrected me, it was 2017 that the um, poll to not being on the podium streak started. But Sophia, speaking of um, that, uh, the streaks of you know statistics, which we place so much importance on in Formula One, you know, it's a data-driven sport. But when it comes to um, you know the stats. Sometimes we just pay a bit too much attention to him, but they have been rather accurate this season. But Lewis Hamilton, P3, should we be putting our money on him to be winning tomorrow? But also, it's a good performance from him to only get that one lap in the end because of a uh, track limits deletion. Definitely. I mean, on the preview, I didn't even put Hamilton in my podium, and I'm now probably going to change it because the last two races in Mexico, whoever started at P3 has actually won the race. So... And like you said, stats have been very kind of consistent this season with records and uh, theories and probabilities. So I would probably put a bit of money on it maybe to see. And they've been doing so well. We saw that in the three practices. We saw it today in qualifying. I think definitely a podium and probably a win will be for Hamilton. And they were just so close towards the end, but it just wasn't enough. Max, as usual, always in his own league of his own but it is possible for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, Louis, they say being on your home turf gives you that extra chance, but Sergio Perez very much needed an extra half a second, it seems. P4 behind the Mercedes, behind his teammate, not what he wanted, but it's still somewhat to play for for tomorrow. Yeah, he's got he's got a nice sort of um, gaggle of cars in front of him to get himself um, a nice toe into turn one, which could be helpful for him. Um but qualifying was definitely not where I think he would have wanted to wanted to be. I think he would have wanted to be on that front row with Max. I know a lot of people are sort of taught now that, you know, Red Bull secured both championships. So try and help to use Max to try and help Checo to win. I, I don't think Max, Max is, you know, he's not going to do that. He'll keep wanting to get all the wins he can this season. But um He's definitely got himself a chance, but he just looks like he's just not quite as comfortable with that car. It really does like something like the the low grip sections. He does seem to like really be struggling and fighting with that car. And I think that's where he's lost a lot of this time to Max. Um, but it, it's all to play for tomorrow. Uh, if you get a podium, I think that'll still be great for him. You know, we just saw how amazing it was last year. And I'm sure we'll get a few more shots of his dad throughout the, throughout the race as well. Yeah, lots of shots of um, uh, Perez Senior, but also a lot of shots of just, you know, people not on the track. But, you know, that's a conversation for another day. Jawad, Carlos Sainz, P5 in the Ferrari, you know, four positions behind where he started this time last week. Um, just wasn't really Ferrari's day, was it? They couldn't get the drive, it seems. No, they both looked so scrappy, like every onboard we saw, just they were struggling in the middle sector in particular with those slower speed corners. Um, at one point, you know, there was a shot of science and just couldn't quite get over the curb like he wanted to, which was really disappointing. So I thought, you know, given what we saw in practice that, you know, Ferrari would be a bit further up the grid and potentially in the mix as well for this weekend. Um, but that combined with the fact that, you know, they haven't been the best with 
their tires this year either and tomorrow might be a bit of a tire race given how hard these compounds are and how difficult it's been for them to warm them up through the weekend um it might be a hard one for them it, it might be a long race where uh they might be a bit far away from the podium as well but you know if, as an individual performance great for science to out qualify his teammate again uh hopefully he's not going to be anywhere near george russell going into the first corner so he won't uh he will fingers crossed actually make it past the end of the first lap and Interesting um, stat that Sophia just pointed out in the chat about how every year since 2015, he's actually moved up a position on the grid. So, you know, by 2026, he said he'll be on on pole here. So, you know, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's behind um, George Russell, so that might uh, make a difference. But only half a tenth back from Carlos Sainz in uh, Q3. Valtteri Bottas, Sophia. Um I was a bit surprised to see him up there um, in Q1. When he replicated that in Q2, I was like, hang on a sec. No, this is Valtteri Bottas with genuine pace in Mexico. And it is worth mentioning, you know, he has the race lap record. He was on pole here last time out. No, not last time out. Was it last time out? No, it was 2019. Um, And of course, you know, Max Verstappen, that was the year Max Verstappen had it taken off him for... uh, going flat out on yellows but Valtteri Bottas P6 what can he do from there tomorrow um I hope stay there and not have a DNF I think that's probably the biggest thing (laughs) of it all but no he took pole last year uh back in 2021 and again curse happened again I was quite shocked but to be fair he's done quite a quiet qualifying like compared to some of the other drivers no track time deleted from my knowledge just was surprisingly just getting the pace and getting the speed, um, hitting the apexes right, not going over the limit. And for some reason, given that there was a lot of issues with grip with a lot of the drivers, you didn't hear from him at all. And he just surprisingly just get into all uh get into Q2 and then um the final one as well. And then obviously now splitting the Ferraris. I I hope I just want him to finish and I want the points because another again. For me, I love my stats. He still has not had any points. This is the longest streak he's had without any points since 2013. He was so close last weekend, and then it just went pretty much. And I'm hoping that he can stay in the top 10 for tomorrow's race and get the points needed as well for the team, given that Joe is also starting quite low um, for tomorrow's race as well. Yeah, no points since Canada, I think it is, for Valtteri Bottas. But Louis, uh, in P8, ahead of the two Alpines, very important for Lando Norris um, in the McLaren. Yeah, it's exactly where they need to be at the moment. Um, that battle with Alpine's close. But unfortunately, I, th- I think um, McLaren's quality pace... Um, maybe flatters them slightly um often in the race you'll see them drop back a little bit i know lando had an absolutely storming charge in uh, last weekend but uh, more often than not we don't see as good a race page from mclaren often the alpines um edge them in that but um he's, he's exactly where he needs to be though and when you know your your teammates not getting into q3 you know he's got to do the best he can against the competition. And I think you were saying before, Quali, that, you know, those four teams that they were really battling with, you know, they've lost out to the um, the Alfa Romeo 
Botta. So, you know, still being ahead of that, um, the Alpines would be key. And also, he'll be wanting to get ahead of that Alfa Romeo tomorrow if, just to maybe give himself a bit of a buffer to the Alpine behind. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it is worth obviously mentioning that it's hard for Danny Ricardo to drop further back when generally he tends to start at, at the back, if not, you know, P18, P17. But Jawad, uh, speaking of Fernando Alonso, who qualified P9, it was a relatively quiet session for Fernando. You know, he was sort of doing his laps out of sync almost so that most of the focus wasn't really on him. But P9, as Louis said, he'll be trying to get ahead of Lando. Do you think he's got a chance tomorrow? Um, Generally, like the Alpine has looked better in race trim. And, you know, there's been, you know, few occasions this year that they've been on the same part of the track together. So it might make for an interesting battle. Uh, I wonder if there'll probably be a bit of salt there from the McLaren side with the decision to reinstate the points from Austin for Alonso as well. So that puts that gap between Alpine and McLaren back out to 11 uh, with three races to go. So, you know, because Lando has been doing such a great job, essentially, you know, flying the flag for McLaren, um, having, you know, not one, but two Alpines behind him, will look a bit imposing and, you know, with both Alonso and Ocon in ninth and 10th, they're going to have to work together, you know, to overhaul that car ahead. And, you know, Alonso, we know he's great in race trim and everything, but they also have been quite prone to incidents as well. So it might be a little fascinating. Like, you know, we say that the championship is over at the front of the field with the drivers and constructors championship, but this is the, this is the battle that we kind of have to keep our eyes on now. So um, I'll be watching that one closely if the F1 TV directors actually allow us to see what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. But Alpine proving that the sky effect cars that they tried in Kota uh, last time out, not really, not really working and a bit suspect to FIA regulations. But um, we'll skip Ocon, really. We've talked a lot about Alpine. But Sophia, if we move on to Daniel Ricciardo, then is he... Can he get into the points? Can he send it ahead of the Alpines? You know, with that long straight, you'd be thinking 2017 Daniel Ricciardo, 2018 Daniel Ricciardo. It's perfect for him. He's been on pole here. But this isn't Daniel Ricciardo of 2017, 2018, is it? No, I mean, I think most Daniel Ricciardo fans were screaming and shouting for joy the fact that he got out of... um q1 for it but uh i i don't know i would hope because like you said it's set up for him perfectly he's p11 you're gonna have some of the front teams bowing out you can see i'm probably gonna have at least one dnf in the top 10 i will say that as my bold now but it is possible and i really hope it is because it's just it's just one thing after another with daniel like this season like the minute it becomes somewhat good, it just comes crashing down. Like, we I just don't know. Um, and the season's just not going for him. And this is, again, why he isn't going to be in F1 uh, next season. Maybe as the reserve driver. Apparently, it's Mercedes. I've also heard it's Red Bull. I've heard it's other teams potentially as well. Don't know. Um <laughs> But yeah, let's let's hope to try to get like at least one point. That's that's all we want. It's just a single point, and that's really sad to like hear, given 
how well he's performed in previous years, but that's his best that he can do at the moment and how he's been driving. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunate times for Daniel Ricciardo fans. I know we have plenty of them amongst the Grid Talk group. Louis, Show Guan Yu was quite disappointed to, you know, not really get into Q3, but do you think given, you know, there was reduced, he's had so many issues this weekend already, you know, he was out in FP1, he was out in FP2. Um, do you think it was ever really on the cards to be in Q3? I mean, I don't think anyone thinks, when we think of Alfa Romeo, we never really think of them as Q3 um, contenders anyway. I think we all just got a bit shocked by um, by Bottas's uh, amazing pace. Um, I think P12, I don't think there's really too much for, for Joe to be worried about. P12, there's plenty of opportunities still to be made up. If, you know, the pace of Bottas is to be seen, there is maybe some good pace. But as we've seen time and time again with Joe this uh, season, his luck with reliability and luck with being caught up in incidents and hit by road Canadians is is unparalleled. And, you know, I wish he would actually make it to the end of a Grand Prix with no real incidents, you know, for you get a good streak of them. Um, but it's, it's, it's a difficult one. Um, it, I think Joe is unlikely to get any points. I expect him to probably finish roughly where he is now, but I think that's all going to be down to whether the car actually um, functions for the duration of the Grand Prix, which um, I'm already going to put quite a heavy doubt on given the issues, the, the multitude of issues that he's already had this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Jared, behind him, the two Alpha Tauris of Yuki Sonoda and Pierre Gasly. Gasly reporting that he just had no grip. Um, Yuki, um, I didn't hear much from him, but didn't seem to be, you know, much that pleased with the car either. No, like uh, between that and also I think he was unhappy with the track position that he was on where, where he was let out in the final runs of Q2 with the team. I think it was just one of those text um, messages that were put on the screen after Q2 that confirmed that. So, yeah, uh, like there's not much really to say about AlphaTauri that, you know, they're kind of where you expect them. They've you've, they've really been a big letdown this season, I reckon. And, you know, d- despite a couple of good points performances from both Sunoda and Gasly, Gasly, it's almost like, is he just going through the motions because he's not going to be there next year or in, in a couple of races time? It's it's, it's the end of his stinted AlphaTauri. Sunoda, like not really showing any encouraging signs uh, uh, because effectively he is going into next year as the lead driver for that team. But then at the same time, it's more so that the team haven't given them the kind of machinery that they need to, to be at the front or like in the middle of the midfield, really Um, looking at the points as well. Haas are only or Haas are a point ahead of them you know, they're not going to fall behind Williams and finish last, but, you know, to finish second last this year, I think is going to be a big uh, blow for a team, which two years ago was able to notch up a race win. They were on the podium last year as well in Baku. Um, really expected more from, from Alpha Tauri, but, <laughs> you know, this, this qualifying session kind of being bang in the middle of um, the field, not really expecting them to go forward. There's potential that they could go backwards um, depending on the cars behind them. You know, there's not much more else to say. 
Yeah, and um, Mexico being Pierre Gasly's last. Well, I, I want to say, like, you know, good result, like P4, um, but, you know, good probably not being as superlative as it should be, you know. Um, P4 is a very good position to be in when you're in an Alpha Tauri. But Sophia, um, Kevin Magnussen, qualified P15, will be starting P19 because of a five-place grid penalty for use of additional power unit elements. It was almost as though the Hasses were in the wrong positions, um, like, ultimately for the scenarios that they're having in tomorrow's race. But, you know, ultimately that did come down to Mick having, you know, a track time deleted that would have probably got him through to Q2. Definitely. His time, it was on the board at like P8, P6, quite another shocking one. And then obviously got deleted. But you can see in the replay as well that it was clearly, it's the same um, area that Hamilton had his time deleted as well. So FIA being consistent for once recently um, <laughs> in it is quite a common one. But I don't understand because when they went off, went out, Mick was giving a toe to Kevin. And again, we knew that they're going to take a five-place grid penalty due to the situation that happened uh, with the free practice and all that. So why go out that way? Why put Kevin ahead of Mick when ideally you want Mick to be as high as possible no matter what? And then being bumped out by your own teammate, it's always not the best. And it was quite marginally as well. I think it was like, if I look at the time, it's like less than... 0.2 second off like very very minimal and then obviously make timing um with the exact same time as Seb as well which was really cute to see um but yeah why um obviously with Kevin Nagelsen starting below I don't see him getting into where he is what where he would have been if it wasn't for the penalty I don't think he's going to finish t- um 15 or above Mick I think hopefully will finish a race um or probably stay where he is, maybe move up one or two with the few DNFs that might happen with um, the race tomorrow. Because like I said, it is possible. I think it will be, given that there's been no grip at all seen in free practice and in quality for most of the teams. So it's going to be a spicy race. It's going to be quite an interesting one going to that first turn um, to see who's going to survive after that. Yeah, and that has, of course, been a lot of talk about Mick you know, being able to stay where he is at the minute. Um, that has seat if we, you know, accept that the asterisk by um Logan Sargent's William seat for next season is a given, the has seat of Mick Schumacher being the only one that hasn't been confirmed yet for twenty twenty three. Louis, Sebastian Vettel, as mentioned by Sophia, got the exact same time uh, down to the three digits as Mick Schumacher. Um, ultimately, they both ended up being knocked out by, I think it was Yuki Sonoda's time in Q3, in Q1. But um, yeah, seemed to be a bit confused as to why he didn't go ahead of Mick Schumacher with that time. Is it because Mick set it first, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's the only reason why. But I, I was thinking to myself when when Sebastian did that and it only put him to 16th, I was like, is this going to be yet another case of Vettel not getting into Q2 by the finest of margins? It's happened so many times this season where Vettel has been knocked out in Q3 by less than a tenth. It's ridiculous how many times, but Yuki kind of put an absolute, uh, well, put a much better lap in the second time round. But, I mean, we 
you can look at the results in that bottom five and you can tell that the Aston Masters and the Williams are just the two slowest teams. Uh, so it was would have taken a lot from from Seb to really have have clawed that car out of um, out of the bottom in in Q one and got himself anywhere decent in Q two. Um, I think it's just where they are at the Aston Martin. Then obviously they're not going to bother developing it any further this season. That car's been a lost cause pretty much since Bahrain when it was trundling around at the back. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's disappointing to say that he's having to bow out, you know, and in such a horrific car. But I think it's clear the the intentions from Aston Martin is that. They want to win the World Championship with Fernando Alonso next year, hence why they've signed him on a multi-year deal and they've clearly got an amazing car for Fernando to make such a wise career move. Yeah, I think it's currently driving around in P1 and P4 at this circuit, you know, for next year. Um, But it was very much a slam back to reality for Sebastian Vettel today after a very impressive drive at Cota last time out. But Jawad, Lance Stroll, qualified P18, will be starting at the back after causing a collision with Fernando Alonso, his teammate for next season, last time at Cota. Um, anything to say about Stroll's qualifying or just, you know, a note about the two Canadians being at the back again? Yeah, just the two Canadians being at the back again and Stroll doing Stroll things. I think as well, just like, you know, in terms of the car itself, like you said, it's it's a bit of a bounce back to reality for them after being so quick in the last few races. And it just shows, you know, the car is very hot and cold with where it's strong and where it's not. I mean, it is quite funny the fact that you know last this time last week we were like whoa Lance Stroll starts P5 or whatever um for for the Grand Prix in Austin and then he was running as high as third at one point but then you're reminded of his standard of driving when he had that incident with Alonso and to only get a three-place grid penalty for that as well would it's like, uh, but then again, he's starting at the back of the grid. So that's a penalty in itself for, for the rest of his Grand Prix career or until they get a better car. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sophia, Alex Albon um, had a pretty dismal qualifying se- session, to be honest. He was off the track in the middle sector in his final running Q1. Just as, as Louis pointed out, just the Williams and the Aston Martins just being the slowest cars around here. Yeah, and it was interesting because the start of qualifying, they were high, uh, Sky commentators were like very much hyping up the Williams, saying that this could be a really good qualifying for them, and then starting at the bottom, um, which is quite an interesting one. Um, yeah, both of them were quite quiet for it um, with Q1. I wasn't expecting much. Um, given as well with how the free practices went for the Williamses um, with the early finish of uh, FP1 as well, especially with having Logan Sargent, that's also put a lot more pressure now because, because he wasn't able to complete enough distance, he actually didn't get the super license point that was needed. So now there's even more pressure for him in Abu Dhabi. I think he now has to finish P4 or above. Um, so that could be laying into an interesting one because it's more challenging in FP2 to get uh, in F2 to get 
the uh, positions needed. So might see a new announcement for Williams to see who's going to be racing with Alex um, next season, potentially. But yeah, I mean, I was expecting a little bit more from Alex. Um, I wasn't expecting much from uh, Latifi because it's Latifi. Um, the fact that there was no red flags in qualifying was quite an interesting one. Minimal yellows. I think there's probably about three or four yellows that happened. Uh, but yeah, very quiet for the Williams um, compared to what Sky was saying, saying they're expecting at least one of them to go into Q2, if not Q3, which would be shocking. Yeah, I can't believe that they were expecting Nicholas Latifi to have a chance at being in Q2 or Q3, you know. Like, even on even on his best day, you know, P19 is generally where it's at. But, um, Louis, anything else to add on Nicholas Latifi's qualifying or any expectations of him in the race? I mean, what drivers can say they qualify P, uh, P20, but they'll start P18? Absolute goat. What can I say? Absolute goat. Yeah. Well, that is the grid, at least. Um, so now it's time to actually start, you know, making some predictions about the race. So, Jared, I'll start with you. Is Max Verstappen going to beat the stats and convert pole into a win? Or are you expecting someone else to be on that top step tomorrow? I'm going to go for someone else to be on the top step tomorrow. And that will be, I'm pretty sure I said this last year as well, but uh, I'll go for Sergio Perez to take the win on home soil. Checo Perez for the win. Sophia, I think you've mentioned that you're going to go for Lewis, but that yeah. might have just been because you're following the stats. I, I feel like I kind of need to stick for the stats. That's what I've been following for most of the season, previous seasons. And so I'm changing from what I said from the preview show. Um, and I'm going to say that Hamilton will going to win tomorrow. Lewis for the win. Louis, what's your um, top step prediction, please? I'm I'm in total agreement with uh with Jared. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna back a, a Checo win on home soil. Maybe a little bit of Red Bull manipulation in there, but you know, what's F1 without a bit of manipulation? Especially Red Bull manipulation. You know that seems to have been happening a lot over the last couple of uh, years, and it's very much in the news at the minute. Um, something about you know losing 1.8 million or something along those lines, um, from what I've heard. Um, I'm not going to apologise, Christian. Um, I'm going to uh, back Lewis for the win based on the stats. Um, so it's two for two. Um, but the rest of the... <laughs> Don't be shocked, Louis. Um, Jared, the rest of your podium, please. Yeah, so given how, you know, manipulative Red Bull are... Oh. I don't think they can manipulate a one-two finish, can they? But yeah, one-two finish for Red Bull with Verstappen second and just going to put Lewis Hamilton up there and third. He deserves a podium or another one. Red Bull, two-one finishes, multi-two-one, multi-twenty-one finishes. Uh, Sophia, um, <laughs> the rest of your podium, please. Um, definitely Checo, uh, P2, keep the one to uh podium streak for red bull consecutive ones going uh p3 i want to say science but i know he's probably going to crash out um let's go george let's see if he can actually try to keep his nose clean for this race which is probably gonna be hard to do oh uh louis um p2 and p3 for you please 
to be honest, my, what I was just thinking in my head before I started is exactly the same as what Jared said. So maybe I'll go slightly different. I will go Max P2, uh, but I'm then going to stick uh, George Russell in P3. Yeah, interesting. Um, we'll, I mean, you know, it's all speculation at this point. We're up. Sophia's following the stats. Some of us are just following our dreams. Um, and some of us are just following form. Um, I don't know which one I'm following, to be honest. Um, but yeah, the rest of my podium, I'm going to somewhat follow the stats to an extent. I'm going to say, uh, I've already said Lewis winning. Uh, I'm going to say George P2 and Checo P3. So no pole sitter on the podium. Um, that's the things. Um, so, Jawad, your bold prediction for tomorrow, please. Yep. So bold prediction, always following my heart on these ones. <laughs> um, no points for both the Alpines. So not necessarily DNFs, but no points for either of those two. Interesting. Um, the no DNFs part is certainly bold, um, considering, you know, it's been known to happen this season. Um, Sophia, your uh, bold prediction for tomorrow, please. I think there's going to be five DNFs and three are within the top 10 of the starting grid. I mean, we've already got Carlos, um, depending on if he hits George. Thinking Bottas, um, <laughs> unfortunately yeah. as well, um, yeah. with the engine problems. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, if there is anywhere it could happen, Mexico is one of the places. So many technical issues have already happened this weekend. Louis, your bold prediction, please. I don't the opposite of Sophia. I was going to say, you know, the likes of Latifi, Sonoda, uh, Joe, they're all going to go through the race with no issues whatsoever, no crashes. They will make it through the race in a clean, sensible manner. Wow. Wow. Are you, have you been speaking to Wayne about your bold predictions? Wow. Um, my bold prediction is kind of, as much as you know the stats back it up, it's I'm, I'm, st I'm still just kind of going with my prediction in the first place. Lewis Hamilton for the win, you know that Mercedes hasn't looked like winning for the majority of this season, even when it's been in winning positions. Like it's just not really, you know, happened. And well, I've already got a lot riding on whether a Mercedes can get a win or not this season. I'm just gonna follow that as well. But if I wanted to say something fun, let's just say um, we only see Checo's dad on camera once. Um, like I don't think I think that would be pretty bold if it um, is if that's what happens. But now it's a good opportunity to give our panelists a chance to promo where they've come from, where they can be found. Let's start with you, Jawad. Yeah, so I host my own Hit the Apex podcast, which I'll be doing one for the Mexico City Grand Prix uh, review this week and also talk about the Supercars Championship here in Australia as well, uh, which has just crowned another three-time world champion. It's been Red Bull domination as well, so I've got like Red Bull domination happening all around me at the moment which is very joyous to say not um so yeah you can find that on all the good podcast platforms and uh in terms of social media 
not very active on it, but uh, there is a Twitter account at Hit the Apex Media you can follow, but there's a link tree to all the other things I do as well, such as live blogs uh, for all the F1 races and whatnot. So yeah, go check it out. Absolutely. And Sophia, where yep. can people find you? Where are you from? Yep. So I'm part of Everything F1. You can find us on all social medias at Join EF1. Um, we also have a podcast that we record on Tuesdays and then release on Wednesdays. We have some interesting guests that have come in. So we've had some one-offs, um, but on all social medias. And we also have a website that we post information daily at www.everythingf1.com. Fabulous. And Louis, kind of like me, you're mostly just around here. But if anyone wanted to, you know, find you, where can they go? Well, uh, in answer to your original question, so I'm from here. You can find me here. I'm on like a, a hundred plus episodes of this podcast. So you can you want to listen to me, you can go ahead and listen uh, to more Grid Talk. But uh, no, otherwise, if you want to hear from me, I'll often be on here or I'll be, you know, I'll be hosting every now and again. Yeah, and if you want to hear anything more from me, um, again, I'm on a lot of podcasts, mate. I don't know if it's three figures as of yet, um, but I have been on a lot of them. But if you want to find me on any of the socials, it's at Rubes, R-U-U-B-E-Z, 001 if you're on Instagram. Um, but on that note, Grid Talk is available on YouTube where most episodes are recorded live, as you can tell if you're watching this one. Um, generally, it's hello, Con- hello, Connor, hello, Tom. Um, as well as Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, available, Omni Studio and Pocket Casts. Just search Formula One Grid Talk for our huge back catalogue of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and the race results. Count how many Louis on. Please consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can get mics, lights and better recording equipment. You can get your hands on some official Grid Talk merchandise on f1chronicle.com forward slash store. Also, make sure you subscribe to be the first to know when each new episode is released every single week. And we'll be back soon with plenty more F1 content tomorrow for the Mexican Grand Prix review. Thank you very much to everyone for joining me. No worries. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you very much for listening and goodbye.